thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Detroit Tigers 10, the Cleveland Indians 5. The Detroit Tigers get their first win against the Cleveland Indians. And I believe the Tigers announcer said 499 days or something like that. It had been a 20-game winning streak for the Cleveland Indians. And the Detroit Tigers finally snapped it. I think we all know that it was inevitable. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it started out really well for the Indians last night, and then it all came crashing down, and it happened fast. So hang on, we'll run through it all, we got some interesting things to talk about, and then we'll take a look at tomorrow because Tristan McKenzie is starting for the Indians tomorrow. And what better way to wash the taste out of your mouth of giving up double-digit runs to the Detroit Tigers than to have a rookie making his debut tomorrow to make us forget about this game. So how did it all go down? Adam Plucko was on the mound for the Indians. Michael Fulmer was on the mound for the Tigers, a matchup we had seen in the last series. Their last appearance was facing each other, so they get the rematch again. And... Plucko starts pretty good. Things seems quiet in the first and second innings. For the Indians coming up in the bottom of the second, that's where the fun starts for the Cleveland Indians, and you thought it was going to be a big game. Carlos Santana leads off the inning getting hit by a pitch, so not a walk. In fact, I don't believe he, nope, no walks for Santana. He's still, he's, I think he's gone four games now or something like that without a walk, so uh, you know, maybe he's changing his approach at the plate, being more aggressive, trying to get that batting average up. So he's hit by a pitch. Famil Reyes walks, and then Tyler Naquin comes up, shoots one through the gap on the shift, and actually is able to leg out a double on something that probably would have been a single for anybody else. But we know Tyler Naquin knows how to hustle. He comes sliding in hard to second base. It brings in Carlos Santana to score, and Famil Reyes goes to third. So that's big to see, right? We've had a serious drop-off of some run support of anything from the six through nine spots in the lineup. So Tyler Naquin getting that double, driving in Carlos Santana to get the scoring started. And then the Indians really kind of scratched their way to two more runs in this inning. I mean, they played small ball here. They did the things you have to do. Because remember, this is nobody out. Domingo Santana comes up. He grounds out to shortstop, but it does move the runners up. Famil Reyes scores. Naquin goes to third. 2-0 Indians. Roberto Perez strikes out. That's unfortunate. Runner on third. One out. We got to get him in. But Delino DeShields is able to pick up his end of it. He's able to... He he bounces a ball basically over Fulmer's head. Fulmer's able to recover it. Makes a pretty athletic play. Kind of spinning on his knees in the wet grass. But his throw goes wide. Delano DeShields, I mean, when you got Delano DeShields running down the line, you're going to rush your throw. Naquin's able to score. Shields is safe at first. And the Indians scratch across another run. 3-0 from the bottom of the lineup. That's huge, right? That's a great sign. At least it would be until this game continued. In the bottom of the third, it's Francisco Lindor getting things started. After a Jose Ramirez strikeout, he singles. Carlos Santana flies out to center, but then Famille Reyes comes up. And Famille Reyes gets a pitch that's up. And you know what he loves to do with it? He loves hitting it to right center. Puts it in the bullpen. Crushes it again. Another huge home run from him. When he hits him, it's no doubt about it. 
So Famille Reyes adding to his home run total. That's six home runs on the year for Famille Reyes. And he is definitely the power in the Indians lineup right now. At the end of the night, he was he's batting 297 with an 884 OPS. Definitely the only OPS worth bragging about on the Cleveland Indians. Unfortunately, though, that's where the fun ends, Cleveland Indians fans. Things get ugly after that. We got a 5-0 lead coming up in the top of the fourth inning. We've given Plucko plenty of run support, and things get ugly. He gets Victor Reyes to ground out, but then he walks Miguel Cabrera, and then he hangs a curveball to Jonathan Scope that he absolutely crushes to left field. One of, I mean, that's like a Manny Ramirez, Albert Bell type home run to left field. I think he put it over the Miller Lite can out there in left field. It might have hit the walkway to the parking garage. That's how far he hit it, and that's how bad Plucko hung this curveball. I don't know what the scouts grade his curveball at or something like that, but it is definitely not on Shane Bieber levels. It it loops. It's Shane Bieber's where the bottom falls out of it. Plucko's definitely seems to have a loop in it. Now, that works for some people, right? Clayton Kershaw's curveball has a huge loop in it, but guys just cannot pick it up. So clearly, Scope had no problem picking up the curveball last night because he annihilated it. All right. So, gives up a two-run home run. It happens, right? Starters are going to give up runs all the time. He then hits Candelario. Jacoby Jones then singles. Jorge Bonifacio walks. Bases are now loaded. And guess what? There's still only one out. Austin Romine comes up, he singles to right, drops it at the feet of Tyler Naquin. Naquin had to sit back on the ball. It's one of those things as an outfielder where you want to go after it, right? You'd love to make a diving catch, but you realize the situation, base is loaded, and you just let it drop in front of you and get it in as quick as possible. So the runners are only able to move up one base. Okay, five to three, right? Five to three, still okay. There's one out. We can get a ground ball, maybe get out of this. There's no mound visit or anything like that. They'd already done a mound visit earlier before he walked Bonifacio. But Isak Paredes comes up, and he is a rookie for the Detroit Tigers. He was one of their top prospects. I think going into the season, he was their number six prospect in their organization. And he gets a fastball that, I mean, all he had to do was get the bat out there. It was a fastball right down the pipe. It was up around the belt. And Paredes hits a line drive out to left field, clears the 19-foot wall, and clears the bases. It's his first home run of his Major League career. Grand slam, definitely a memorable one for Isak Paredes. And suddenly, this game is flipped on its head. It is 7-5 Detroit. And in a flash, in one inning, things have gone from great to, oh, no. Oh, no. And... I mean, Plutko, that's his last batter. They take him out of the game. Phil Maiden comes in. He's able to shut down the rest of the inning. But, I mean, Plutko, what a rough start. His final line on the day is three and a third innings pitched, only five hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and a strikeout. Does that mean every runner that he let on base scored? I mean, mathematically, that's how it looks, but, you know, it might be a, he also hit a guy, so um, 
that is he moves to one and two on the season and it's been rough for Plutko. Um looking at his numbers times through the order, right? This is definitely something that starting pitchers have to focus on, right? Because the more you see a guy, the more hittable he becomes. The first time through the order, he has a 193 ERA. Guys are hitting 229 off him. That's pretty good. Second time through the order, this is where things instantly turn ugly. You would think the third time through the order would be the rough one, but he's not even getting to that. He's only pitched one inning the third time through the order. His second time through the order, he's got a 16.88 ERA. He's given up 10 earned runs now. Guys are hitting 423 off him, slugging 731 off of him. His OPS off of him would be over 1,000. It's the second time through the order. So what does that say about Adam Plutko? Maybe in the long term, this guy is destined for the bullpen. Which there's nothing wrong with that. There, um, there was a conversation going on, on Twitter yesterday. There's a fan account called Indians UK. There seems to be a lot of these UK accounts out there, for one for each team. Um, so there's a network of fans clearly in the UK. If you're listening, Indians UK, thanks for all the good Twitter content. But he asked a guy like James Karinchek, why is he a reliever if his stuff is so good? Right? They were showing yesterday stuff is in the 100th percentile. It's that good. Why is he a relief pitcher? Why isn't he in there more as a starter? Well, there's a myriad of reasons, and one of them is this. One of them is sometimes the second time through an order, a guy becomes really hittable. You start to learn his pitches. You learn his sequencing, maybe. Or maybe you just start to see where that ball comes from in his hand, and you can pick it up better. And so, yeah. I mean, right now we need him. We got two starters that are basically have been given a timeout by the organization, and we needed Plutko to start, but I think his long-term future is going to be in the bullpen. So we'll see. We'll see if he gets another start or if uh, you know need and necessity is going to force the Cleveland Indians to forgive Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger sooner than they were ready to. And we'll, we'll find out. But that's Plutko's day. The Tigers actually add more runs in the seventh inning. So Dominic Leone pitched the sixth inning, and he pitched great. Struck out the side, gets Austin Romine swinging, get Isak Paredes swinging, and gets Nico Goodrum swinging. He was locked in in the sixth inning. However, they left him in for the seventh, and he gives Victor Reyes a fastball right down the middle, and Reyes knows what to do with it, drives it out to right field for a home run. They leave him in. It's now 8-5. to five. At that point, I'd be saying to myself, you know what? Leon pitched so great that last inning. Why am I leaving, in him, leaving him in here? He gives up the home run. Let's get him out. No, nope. instead they leave him in to face Miguel Cabrera. He singles to right field. Jonathan Scope doubles off him. And he's still in the game. He's given up three hits in a row. No mound visit, no nothing. And then Candelario singles, brings in Miguel Cabrera, brings in Jonathan Scope to score. It's now 10-5 to Detroit. Then they finally go get him, and they go put Cam Hill in. There was no reason, especially after Leon gave up the solo home run, there was no reason to leave him in there. Maybe you were trying to save your bullpen because Plucko only went three and a third. It's the first game of a series. You were trying to save your bullpen a little bit, but we still have pretty, you know, we still have 28 guys on the roster. We still have plenty of arms out there. 
you got to go get them out there. And they leave Cam Hill in for two innings. So clearly they were hoping someone in the bullpen could eat up some innings and save some arms. Cam Hill's the guy that does it, I guess. He goes two innings, no hits, no runs, three strikeouts. And it's just, I mean, Dominic Leone needed a game like this, right? His ERA is 10.13, so he has not had the best season. But he comes in and strikes out the side swinging. That gives a guy confidence. But you left him in there too long. So the blame on this one has to lay on the manager. And the manager last night was Sandy Elmar Jr. And I know we all want Sandy to become a great manager one day. But I think in this situation, he learned a lesson here, right? He left a reliever in too long, and we paid for it. It's not like our offense was going to do anything anyways. We didn't score any runs after the third inning couple of hits, a couple of threats, but that was really the ball game. Isak Paredes basically put this game out of reach. And like I said, he was the number six prospect for the Tigers. They, uh, on this scouting grading scale, right? It's a 20 to 80 grading scale. Why do they do a 20 to 80 grading scale? I don't know. Maybe we'll do some research and find out one of these days. But so max score would be an 80. They've got his hit grade as a 55, which is pretty good. His running and fielding is a 45. His power is a 50. Okay, so, you know, not the most powerful power-hitting prospect. His arm is a 55. Overall, they got him graded as a 50. That's a pretty good. He w- he came to the Tigers in a trade for Alex Avila from the Cubs, and he's just been a steady hitter his entire time in his minor league career. He recorded nearly as many walks as strikeouts, 57 walks to 61 strikeouts in double A. And so, yeah, so he, I mean, kind of reminds me of Carlos Santana, his approach to the plate, walking that much, having being that patient. He's known for his eye and he's known for not chasing pitches. And so, yeah, so Isak Paredes is, should be a hitter that the Indians are going to have to deal with for a long time. He probably projects as their future third baseman. I mean, If he sticks right now, he could be their current third baseman. So it's definitely a name that you're going to have to get to know as Indians fans because we are going to be seeing this guy a lot. All right, the box score for the Indians. Cesar Hernandez did have himself a good game. He got on base three times, two hits and a walk. His average is at 263. Not not terrible, you know. Uh, not all-star levels, but he's doing solid work at the top of the lineup, still second base. Jose Ramirez had a rough day. He had three strikeouts. Lindor did have two hits and a strikeout, and he grounded into a double play in the first. Famil Reyes with the big hit, two RBIs, two runs scored on the day, and a walk. He was on base twice. He did strike out twice, but like I said, the big home run, and he was able to score on Domingo Santana's uh, infield, you know, in his ground out. And he was able to come in and score. So two big runs for him on the day. Naquin with that big double, you know, got the scoring started early. Santana, the, Santana, Perez, and Shields all had hits. So everyone except for Jose Ramirez had a hit last night in the Indians lineup. I mean, we had 10 hits, 13 hits for Detroit. We walked four times. We only struck out 10 times, which is decent for the Indians. But they just couldn't put anything together late in the game to come back. Once things got out of control in the seventh inning, it pretty much felt like it was over. The Indians pitching, Phil Maton did pretty good. He did one and two-thirds. Leon, we already talked about him. Cam Hill had solid two innings. And Adam Simber ended the game, didn't give up any runs either. So I think MVP for a day, and it's hard, right? In a 10-5 loss, it's hard. But 
MVP for a day goes to Famille Reyes for continuing to show the power for the hustle to score two runs, two RBIs on the day. I think I got to give it to Famille Reyes. He is the light in this Indians lineup right now. Now, speaking of the light, what's coming up next for the Indians? We're facing Detroit again, but we've got rookie phenom Tristan McKenzie on the mound. If you haven't seen this guy pitch yet, any of the minor league highlights or anything like that, he is tall, skinny, and has an incredible arm. He's 6'5", 160 pounds when he was drafted. I'm sure he's put on some muscle and weight since then. Um, I don't know what they've got him listed at right now. 6'5", 165 pounds. Okay, he's 23 years old. He was our first-round pick, I think, in this the like supplemental pick. So he was number 42 overall in the draft in 2015. Now, the scouting report on him, he's got a three-pitch mix. He's got a fastball that could get anywhere from 91 to 95 miles per hour, and the command of the fastball is really one of his strong suits. He's got a good curveball, an upper 70s curveball. We'll see if it loops like Plucko's or if it snaps off like Bieber's, you know. But it's a high-graded pitch for him. And he's got a fading changeup, they call it. They, everybody refers to it as a fading changeup. So we'll see. I'm excited to see this changeup in action. They say he uses it to keep left-handers off balance. Now, what about his stats? You know, what was he doing uh, in the minor leagues? He hasn't pitched since really competitively since 2018 because of injury. That was at double A. He made it to double A level in 2018. He went seven and four with a 2.68 ERA and 16 starts there. He was his strikeouts per nine, his K's per nine did drop when he went to double A, but that's kind of to be expected, right? You're facing more advanced hitters. So in A ball, it was at 12.97. At advanced A, it was at 11.71 K's per nine. In double A last year, two years ago, it was 8.64. But his walk stayed down. So his walk rate stayed down. It was at 2.78 walks per nine innings. So he definitely is in the model of this Cleveland Indian strikeout starting pitcher. Guys only hit 191 off him in that 2018 season. His whip was 1.00, so definitely good at keeping guys off base. Some of the advanced stats, he actually gave up more fly balls than ground balls, so get ready for that. Uh, for most of his career in the minors, it looked pretty even, but then in A, it was 33% ground balls, 49% fly balls, but does not give up many home runs for those fly balls. Only 6.8% of those fly balls went for a home run. So you're going to see some flyouts, all right? You're going to see the ball in the air. He's not like Jake Westbrook. He's not going to be getting ground outs like crazy. So he's going to be going for strikeouts, and he's going to be giving up some fly balls, but hopefully he can keep the ball in the ballpark better than the Indians pitching did last night. Speaking of that 20 to 80 scale, right, that we talked about with Isak Paredes, just so you know, in 2019, they graded his fastball as a 60 out of 80, his curveball as a 60 out of 80, and his changeup as a 55, his control of 55, overall a 55 as his scouting report, as his grades. So a fastball at 60 and a curveball at 60, that's a pretty good grade. I mean, that shows that the scouts really respect his stuff. So I'm excited for it. I hope you are too. He's going to be facing off against Boyd for the Tigers, who's 0-3 with a 9.64 ERA. So hopefully the Indians hitters can get to him early, just like they did last night. 
give Tristan McKenzie some support and let him go out there and throw some strikes with that fastball, throw some strikes with that curveball, get some swings and misses, and keep those left-handers at bay with his fading changeup. I'm, I'm really curious to see this changeup in action. So that's the matchup tomorrow, and we will definitely be back to cover that game because I am excited for this rookie to make his debut. The last thing I want to talk about, and it's hard to talk about after a 10-5 loss, but I've been meaning to talk about it the entire Pittsburgh series, and I forgot. But I gave the Indians a hard time on the Cubs series, right? It's been a couple weeks, but the Cubs series, because they just didn't look like they were having fun out there. And the Cubs guys were having a blast, right? They were running up the score on us. They were having fun. Everybody was hitting for them. The Indians were hanging their heads. They were struggling, right? They just didn't look like they were having any fun. Something changed in that Detroit series last week. They finally started having fun. In that Pittsburgh series, they were banging. They had like a drum band, instead of drum circle going in the dugout. They were banging on the railing. Carrasco was banging on the cooler. You know, I they didn't really, there were no highlights or anything. They really like got the audio, a good audio of what they were banging out there. Maybe they were doing their best John Adams impression, but it looked like they were finally having some fun in these last two series. And that is great to see. I mean, no matter what, it's baseball. It should be fun. You should be smiling, laughing. Let the kids play, right? Hitting, you know, like the Padres hitting grand slams and 3-0 counts. Just let it, let the kids have fun. So it's good to see that the Indians are having a good time out there again. Now, I don't know about last night. I'm sure that when that game got out of control, things were not fun anymore. But... Hopefully, they can keep this going all season, keep the energy up. You know Carlos Carrasco is one of the guys that drives the energy on this team. So it's great to see him leading the drum circle in the Indians' dugout. It was really fun to see. I love when baseball is fun. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's Detroit 10, Cleveland 5. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, and we'll play them back on air. Respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>